Yes, people, what's going on? It is episode 344 of Griff's Brain Dump, and it's me, Griff, obviously. How are you doing? Are you well? I did miss a week because I have been super, super busy. Um, I'm even busy right now. You might be able to hear some heavy breathing in the background. That is my son uh, on my lap, snoring his way through the pod. There you go, that's him. Um, yeah, I've been busy this week. Uh, what, what have I been doing? What have I been up to? Well, um... Let's start. Let's start with start with the money making. Uh, I, I've started a new job. You see, started a new job. So um, I had my week off um, between the jobs. Then start my job on Monday. So I've been doing that this week. Um, just getting used to not working in central London anymore. That has been very strange. Driving to work like a full family man. Uh, driving to work. And uh, it's funny because when you start a new job, right, I came in full suit, tie on. As soon as I sat down at my desk, uh, my my uh, my line manager, director said, hey, we don't have to wear a tie. And I was like, well, you know, it's better if I came in with a tie and be told don't have to wear it than to come without one. And someone pulled to one side and be like, yeah, smarten up a bit. But in my head, I was like, I'm not be wearing the suit all the time. I've been trying to think. I've been thinking of different styles to wear. Well, I'm gonna wear a shirt, but I want to mix it with some cardigans, some chinos, some boots. But I said to Naomi, I got back. I was like, oh man, I'm just seeing suits. There's all suits in the office. And then the next day, I saw my line manager in dark jeans and 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 uh, Chelsea boots. I was like, right, this could this could work. This could work. And then uh, and then as I looked more around, and started talking to more and more more different people. I was like. That guy just likes wearing a shirt and tie. This guy is wearing traders. This was wearing a t-shirt. And I thought, let me bust out the roll neck and a suit. So I bust out the roll neck and a suit. CEO came up to me and goes, you're the smartest dressed guy in the company here. I was like, hey. Well, he was wearing traders. He said this to me. So I'm like, I can definitely get away with Chelsea boots. So I came with Chelsea boots, shirt, cardigan, chinos. People were like, oh, started making a joke that you oh, he's just gone downhill for the first day and then the last day. Roll neck, boots, chino seat. And that was a dress down day, so I was smarter than everyone else because a lot of people were just t shirt and jeans. So I think my wardrobe's fine, but it's been fun. It's been fun starting new jobs, getting into things, and uh, it's been strange. For a long time, I've been working. Uh, obviously, comedy is. Still the goal, the dream, the aim. But last few jobs, I felt like a comedian who's at work. You know, just uh, forgetting that I actually need that job to pay my bills. Uh, whereas starting here, I'm like, oh yeah, do I do this thing, isn't it? This is something that I actually have skills in. And so uh, I've gone back to that kind of Jekyll and Hyde, Superman, Clark Kent, where it's a clear divide. Like, no one knows I do comedy. Uh, in the office yet I mean they'll find out eventually um, but yeah so back to the Jekyll and Hyde thing I've presented myself as the super professional guy who's really conscientious which I am and then the other side is like I've got all this creative shit going on uh, and that creative shit I'm talking about I've got um, you go back to um, I've got a few projects I'm working on so do I tell you guys um, yeah I mean why, why not I'll just tell you them um, so we've got uh, 
I've got a pitch document that I'm trying to write for TV. I've got an outline for a book that I'm writing. Um, so I'm waiting for feedback on that. Then we've got the show, Inconceivable, yeah, my Edinburgh show, it's coming to London, we've finally got a London date for that, 29th of February, so easy to remember, such a good date, 29th of February at the Pleasance Theatre, yeah, that's in Cali, Caledonian Road, King's Cross, get tickets, if you've, um, well, even if you've seen the work in progress shows, you may just want to see the progress of the show, but if you saw a work in progress show in July, then probably don't bother. I'll be honest with you. Probably don't bother. But if you saw a work of progress show back in February last year, you definitely need to come and see the show. It has changed. It has changed. You saw it in its earlier stages where I was working a lot of shit out. It's a proper show. It's a proper show now. It's great. So if you saw it in before uh, July, I say come along. That's what I say. If you saw it before July, come along. Come and see the progress of the show. It's changed about. It's People saw it before. Go, oh, it's, it's good. The story's interest a bit heavy. You need to make it lighter somehow. Don't. I'm not sure how you worked it out. It's not my job. To, but you might want to sit up. I'm like, yeah, don't worry. I'll work it out. It's been worked out. Trust me, it's been worked out. So come and see it. Um, I'm doing the show at Top Secret tomorrow. Right? Um... Ticket sales on four because it's like one pound a ticket. Um, so my agent's like, You need to push it. I'm like, Nah, <laughs> I'll do it for four people. My but the outcome I want is just performing it in front of people again and just seeing how much of the show I remember because this is November, I haven't performed it since August, so that's two months. Three months almost. Um, I haven't performed this show. Last time I performed this show was the end of August. So I'm like, I need to perform this again just to remember how I say the words. Because after this, I'm not performing it until February in Leicester. Well, yeah, so from in Leicester, uh, I've got another un- a discreet one around London before that. Well, London, then Leicester, and then it's the recording. Oh yeah, that's right. Be recording the show at the end of at the end of February, on the 29th of February, Pleasance Courtyard. The Pleasance, it's not Courtyard, Pleasance Theatre. 29th February, Pleasance Theatre. And um, yeah, so I said, get tickets, come along. Need to, I need to sell it out. The room holds 199 people. The biggest room I've done for my own solo show was 59 that was in edinburgh <laughs> all right so i need you guys to help me out spread the word come along guaranteed good show i need you to help me out anyone listen to this pod bring friends bring bring whoever you won't be embarrassed by bringing them to this show it's a good show but i need bums on seats all right Help me, please. Help me. Um, <laughs> I think I've currently sold six tickets at the moment. Uh, which I'm not panicked about because I've done my own shows before. And I know what the the habits are of buying tickets. Is This thing won't even be 50% sold 
um, in February. I believe I'll sell it out. I do, but it won't be fifty percent sold in February. I just know what people like. It'd be the last week of February, twenty five percent. Twenty five percent of tickets will go in the week before. It's going to be silly. I just know how pe- people's buying habits are annoying and dumb and have me panicked and stressed. But I need to shift these tickets, people. say, help me if you listen to this pod and buy tickets. So, yeah, so that's what we've been doing um, this week. And then just been parenting. Little man here who's sleeping on me. He's been a bit ill. Hey, you've been a bit ill, haven't you? You've been a little bit ill. But he's recovering, so he's fine. And um, a madam upstairs, she's she's napping at the moment. See the missus, she's out brunching. She's brunching at the moment. So uh, I'm having to do this weird thing called parenting. Um, that's not what I signed up for. I mean, I wanted kids, didn't want to be a parent. That's not part of the deal, was it? So uh, yeah. So yeah, that's it. That's what's been going on in my life. Um, what's been going on in the world? Enough about me. What's, um, Israel Palestine still going on got the protests and the counter protests in london i do what it's been some of the most depressing shit i've seen proper depressing shit so it's uh memorial week is the um armistice day 11th of the 11th 11 o'clock you know do the silence and all that and um yeah it's just been depressing shit man because what it is it's not even so much I don't mind a protest and a counter protest, but it's just like it's the it's the willful misunderstanding of each other. It's taking everyone's argument in the worst faith, and I've, I have seen images from both sides from this weekend where it's been pro-Palestinian uh, protesters there just being approached by absolute thugs. Proper just meathead thugs like fuck it, you can't. I was born here, all that nonsense, right? Like they don't even know what they're counter protesting against. You're disrespecting this country. You're like, what are you talking about? And then the other side, I've seen just you know, just old English people in their like 60s just going to this, want to go, you know, to the cenotaph with their poppies on and just being accosted by just like young people going dude that's the symbol of death it's like what are you doing like you got you got to understand like i'm i'm not uh i'm not remotely patriotic about the uk not at all um but i understand that people are i understand that most people who are patriotic in this country if I take them in the best faith and good faith, are just people who are born here, the parents are born here, grandparents are born here, the parents fought in World War Two. Um, like it or not, yeah, Britain's done some horrible things around the world historically, but World War Two probably isn't one of them. You know, fighting Nazis, probably not one of the worst things in Britain's history, right? So if people want to celebrate that or... Um, you know, have a memorial about that and have a bit of reverence. And you know, their, their, their grandfather fought in the RAF, and and their and their great grandfather fought in in World War One, and fought the Ottomans. You know, if that's part of people's history and life, again, if you take it in the best faith, what is wrong with them? Um, 
commemorating that. Absolutely nothing. So I, I wouldn't begrudge anyone. I don't wear poppies, but I'm not mad at anyone who does. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. This guy's just rubbing his face. The kids are so bad at sleeping, isn't it? Just like you can just sleep and just. Why are you agitate yourself? Here he comes. Here he comes. Maybe it's just my voice. But anyway, so um, yeah, I wouldn't because people commemorating that. So you just got to take people in their best faith. They described a pro-Palestinian protest as pro-Hamas, anti-Israel. On the whole, in the the essence of the protest, the origin of it, of course that's not what it is. Now, that's not to be ignorant and say there aren't pockets of people amongst this protest and say, yeah, if I'm if I'm an anti-Semite, if I hate Israel, let me get involved in this protest, I can hide. And again, I've seen videos and recordings of people saying some horrendous things about Jewish people uh, and Israel that is like, it's nothing to do with, with the current situation, the current war, conflict, occupation, whatever you want to call it. It's just blatant hate and anti-Semitism. Like nothing else, and vice versa. I've seen just as blatant Islamophobia, calling people terrorists. They're holding a picture of like dying children in Gaza, and you're calling them terrorists. What are you talking about? Hold on, people. We're back. That break was only about twenty seconds. This guy just needed to reposition himself and just absolutely dominate. My my lap. Anyway, so yeah, um, yeah, I've just seen people called um, just yeah, just seen people called terrorists, and I understand, I definitely understand, um, you know, if you've been, this is what I'm talking about, just the understanding, right? I understand that if you are Jewish and you're seeing these protests, and it's the thing of you know, it 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 doesn't feel like it's a protest, uh, defending, uh the innocent people in, in Gaza it feels like a very anti-Israeli, anti-Jewish thing and because all the clips you're seeing is people saying just horrendous things about Jews then it's like yeah I understand the, the nervousness of it all um, and then I sympathise with the people who are only seeing videos of people saying horrendous things and spouting Hamas rhetoric but like I said you just take things on their actual in their best faith rather than stirring this is where i'm disappointed with is i'm seeing intelligent people really stirring shit up you know these people got a voice and where you could just go hey guys here's a bit of reasoning here they're like no 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 those sweet sweet follows and clicks and likes that cyber clout is is too much currency for me i have to just appeal to my base this whole idea about the police and it's going to Suella Braverman how I did that about the police policing these two different groups differently policing uh, protests differently the protest is largely peaceful which we're allowed to do uh, and the free speech whingers uh, although they tend to be right leaning are always complaining about lack of free speech then they should be okay with these protests going on they're largely peaceful 
their issue is that they say that, oh, other protests are shut down really quickly. So, like, BLM was let happen, and this has been let happen. But it's the thing of this. These protests have so many numbers, and there's police are there watching it, and there's literally no instances, or such limited instances. Why would they be going heavy-handed with the protests? See, where these far-right counter-protests, where people come in with weapons, hammered at 11am, ready to agitate, I mean, you haven't even got any, like, placards or anything. You don't know what you're here. They just come with knuckle dusters and knives. You know what I mean? And what, what are you coming down for? People are like, no, they're coming down for, for Remembrance Day. All right, could you at least put a poppy on? Let's just pretend you're there for Remembrance Day, at least. But instead, you come there, there's drunk and loutish. There's people there who are, like, really celebrating their... You know, their granddad was a captain in the RAF. And then you've got fucking Barry and Dave from Luton coming down. It's <laughs> like, maybe just shut up. And it's and the idea that the police are policing them differently. Yeah, makes sense. Their attitudes are completely different. Attitudes are completely different. What the intentions are are completely different. Like I don't think people in the pro-Palestine um, protests are actually assaulting police officers. Yeah, you know I mean, so it's 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 that it is that. But then would they assault police officers if the police were actually confronting them aggressively? Who knows? Maybe, probably. So it's all a mess. It's all a big fucking mess. Um, me, personally, if I was being strategic, um, if I was somehow involved in coordinating the pro-Palestine um, protest, I would have taken a day off on the 11th. I would have taken a day off on the 11th um, just, to let ev- just to let the other side show their ass. And just let them come, come around, defend statues and start fighting each other. And you'd be nowhere to be seen, not involved, and just come back the next day. That's what I would have done. But, um, but yeah, but one thing I do want to touch on, though, um, I guess is, with all of this, I've done more reading and reading and reading and reading and reading about, you know, the whole, the whole, like, uh, history of it all. And I, I think I've got more, I feel I've got more of an insight into anti-semitism now because um, like I said I'm seeing really smart people talk about like anti-semitism um, and I'm sorry and yeah I, I think I probably do I probably do have a bit of a blind spot for it in the sense of how most people think racism you need to be actually you know shouting out a racial slur at someone but if you do think about the history of Jews all across well from when they got booted out of you know, the Middle East into Europe and across North Africa. Uh, well, cause to be fair, in Asia, they've been kind of fine. North Africa, they've kind of been fine just living in a community. But in Europe, everywhere they go, they just kept getting kicked out somewhere and became scapegoat for everything. 
Um, Bassam Youssef had the interview with with uh, with Piers Morgan, and he gave a really interesting bit of history about the Jews and about how they're in Europe and how they weren't allowed to buy property, and um, and they weren't allowed to really participate in society. So the only thing they did do was lend money, usury, charge interest. Uh, well, that was generally not uh, was not the done thing across Europe at the time, but they did that because it was literally the only thing they were allowed to do, right? Um, and so they would lend money, but they weren't allowed to buy property, so they'd end up having a lot of money. So what they'd end up doing is buying gold. They just bought gold, and when the landlord would come for their taxes. They see that the Jews had gold and they were like, all right, well, I'm going to increase the taxes because I want more of your gold. And because they increased the taxes, the Jews increased the price of their, of lending money, of, of whatever they were doing. And then the thing is, is that there's this little group that weren't allowed to be involved in society and then they become successful while being marginalised. And a successful minority is always an easy minority to be made a scapegoat for all the ills of the unsuccessful majority look at them over there look at all they've got mixing with the fact that it's easy for those in power to be like oh don't blame us look at those guys and that's literally happened to jews throughout history the spanish inquisition um you don't have to go to world war ii you know what i mean it's just throughout history of europe uh, the uh, what's the word the the was it pogroms is that the word pogroms in in Russia ghettos all across Europe that's that's really what a ghetto is right all through their history you're not allowed to be involved stay over there then they just stay over there and they do well even the history of Jews in New York lots of Jews went over to New York way before any of the world wars right just from Eastern Europe went over there. Did like needlework, seems like you know, I mean, well, I say seamstress, but the men did like needlework as well. So, making garments that's all they did. Saved up a little bit of money, sent their kids to university. The kids become trained lawyers. Here's the thing though back then, Jews aren't white. This is why Jews have an issue of being called white. This is stuff I've learned because for a long time, they weren't classed as white. And when it's a, when it's convenient, so like Irish people, they weren't classed as white, but no one really differentiates between them now. Whereas every every now and again, you'll get a you'll get a white person who'd be like Jews. They're not us. They're Jews. So the Jews weren't allowed. So they're trained lawyers, but the old the old school law firms, the old boys clubs, the wasps, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, you know, of America. They didn't want Jews in their law firm, right? Looked down upon them. So Jews had to start their own law firms. And they couldn't get any work. And the only work they could get um, back in the early 20th century was mergers and acquisitions. Now, if you're looking at it through today's lens, you're like, whoa, that's good money. No, no, no. Mergers and acquisitions was like dirty work. No one did it. There wasn't any mergers and acquisitions. It just wasn't what happened in the time. So they were doing just getting little money 
I'm doing this shit legal legal work. No one's doing mergers and acquisitions, right? Just wasn't happening. Companies weren't merging. They weren't acquiring other companies. Then, I think it's the Wall Street crash happened. And companies needed to start consolidating. They needed to start buying others and merging to survive. And you've got to feel all these other law firms didn't do that work because it was dirty work and it's beneath them. You know, when they make their deals on the golf clubs, yeah, that Jews were allowed in. Jews weren't there. They weren't there to make the deals. So now we come to a time where mergers and acquisitions is, is, is it's necessary to survive. And all the big law firms that were established don't have any expertise doing it. Who has the expertise doing it? The small little Jewish law firms. And now, guess what? They're needed. And guess what? It's big fucking money doing mergers and acquisitions. And then those Jewish law firms went bang. And just exploded. And that's how the Jews became rich in New York. You see? And it's the same story as I just told you then. It's you ostracised marginalized not allowed to be a part of the of the game and then they just work it out on their own how to how to win and that's what's happened now if if throughout your history as a people if you get marginalized you win and then people try to scream at you and take it away from you and blame you and then you get ran out of where you are then you're given the country and you've got to understand as well them being given the country wasn't benevolence from europe it was Look, Jews, get out of this country. Get out of our countries and go over there. We don't even care where you go. I think the original place that they're going to put it was in Ethiopia, I think. Was Zimbabwe? It was Zimbabwe they're going to put it. Put a place for, for Jewish people. Their home. And then um, and they just kind of later decided it would be uh, Jerusalem, which a lot of um, Orthodox Jews were against because they weren't meant to return there until the... Uh, until the arrival of the of the Messiah, so they're like that hasn't happened yet, so we don't want to move there. But whatever reason, it was placed there. And like I said it wasn't the thing of of Europeans being like, yeah, it's like it's a really nice thing we're doing. We need to give them the land they deserve. It was like, no, get out of Europe. So imagine you now got that collective pathology of wherever you're doing, whenever you're successful, people run you out and want you gone. Now you've got your own country and everyone around you, you're doing slightly better than everyone else. Then you're doing much better than everyone else. The fact that they won that six day war, I read about that so much because my brain is scrambled, outnumbered, outgunned, but they won. They beat off five other countries and end up taking more land. They're going to have an attitude of if we let people take an inch they're not going to take a mile they're going to run us over and that's why when Jewish people see a march that is pro something else but can effectively be anti them they're like oh boy (laughs) it's happening and I think if I was to juxtapose it with the the black struggle um I don't think people have wanted us exterminated. They've wanted us subjugated. They wanted us lower. Um, 
but I don't think anyone's wanted us absolutely gone. We've black people always had a, a use. Just we don't want we just we're just not wanted to be there to be make making decisions or any autonomy. We just need to be at the disposal of others. That's that's our role. Um so we haven't had that collective field there exterminating us. It's the thing of, hey, we might exterminate a few of you to get the rest of you in control. But they don't want us gone completely. We're too good at other things that's useful for them that makes them money. You know what I mean? Sport, entertainment. <laughs> so so we don't have, I don't think we have that collective thing of, oh shit, they're getting rid of us. And plus the numbers as well. Loads of us, loads of black people on the planet. Um, there's not that many Jews, not many Jewish people on the planet at all. So with a concentrated effort, you probably could get rid of Jewish people if people start coordinating. So that's why Jewish people are just like, yo, everyone, like, never forget. That's that's why they're so, ah. That's not to say that, again, the fairest people wouldn't use that to hide behind just the fucked up things Israel are doing and continue to do. And you could argue the other side that is it exceptional what Israel are doing? When it comes to defending its sovereignty, no. You know, is it any different to the US going over to Iraq, bombing the shit out of Iraq, bombing democracy into Iraq? No, probably not. Much different. The issue is this, though, is that that was a flashpoint for America, same as Afghanistan was a flashpoint for America. This is so sustained by Israel. And it's going to need some really brave people from both sides, really benevolent people from both sides. We're going to take each other in the best faith. You're going to be able to say, look, the past is the past. How do you move forward? And it's got to be, you have superordinate goals. It can't be a thing of, I want to beat you. It's got to be, I want a sovereign state for my people without any fear of being attacked and then we can just develop without the external control of you that's got to be it that's what both sides have got to want and then where where does where are these borders drawn up Again, it's got to be some, you know, again, real concessions. I'm not sure who's going to make that concession. Is it going to be, especially when it comes to like Gaza, not really concession. Gaza's pretty marked marked out, right? But when it comes to the West Bank, and you've got the settlements there, interspersed in the land that's meant to be uh, Palestinian. Someone's going to make a concession. It's going to be the concession of the Palestinians. Go, look, the settlements are here now. Fine. Or it's going to be a thing of Israelis going, we shouldn't have built those. We're moving out. You know what I mean? I I don't know. I don't know how it it goes, but someone's going to have to make that concession. And... um, 
So I do wonder, I wonder if Palestinians do look back at 1940, is it 47, 48, the partition plan, where they got 48% of the land. I wonder if they look back at that and go, yeah, we should have just taken that deal. I never said that as a joke. I wonder if they're like, fuck it off. If I knew it was going to be like this, we'd have taken it. It's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, man. But the main concession is going to have to come from Israel because they are the more powerful party. It's always going to take the benevolence of the more powerful for peace to come about. You can revolt, you can revolt, but the more powerful party has to go fine. You know what I mean? It's like slavery couldn't have been, couldn't have ended unless, you know, those colonial powers went, okay, we're going to stop slavery. Even if the reasons, again, weren't benevolent, financial, we can't afford to keep doing this. You know? It's, uh... Yeah, that's that's what's going to be needed. Yeah, that's that's my views and all of that. I've probably said something to upset one group or another. Um, but yeah, that's it's just seeing seeing all the images come out of Gaza. It's just like I know, like just not like a practical one. Like people in underground tunnels, why would bombing the surface help? I'd be like, I'd just bomb the entrances of all the tunnels collapse that in keep you all locked in you'll die underground you know what I mean that would be my thing they must know where the entrances are for these tunnels if you know there's a big underground network that means you know where these tunnels uh, open up like I said your your special forces man you got to get your big boys pants on and, and get in there so here's the thing right? after Israel flattened Gaza and they, they'll declare that they've defeated Hamas. What then? Like, seriously, what then? Like, do what I, do what I, do, I envision. This is what would need to happen, right? Because let's, let's say, let's take everyone in best faith. Israel generally want to get rid of Hamas. They don't want to get rid of Palestinians. They don't want to flatten Gaza. That's it. I'm taking everyone in best faith. What I would propose is that once you've defeated Hamas, you issue a statement of regret, apologies, sorries to the Palestinian people. Then I say the surrounding Arab countries or the Arab League um, together with Israel. Um, and America uh, put money in to Palestine, to Gaza, to rebuild. And you rebuild that place to a level that has never been seen before. Like, I envision Gaza looking like, you know, like a Qatar, like a Dubai, an Abu Dhabi, a Bahrain, just... That's what it should be like. It should be that that on the Mediterranean. Where influencers end up going to Gaza. <laughs> That's what I think. Might as well put it. And 
and then whoever runs the West Bank, um, they should be given control. And they have a unified government of the West Bank and Gaza. And then I think that is a great progressive starting point. Uh, obviously, Israel would have to get rid of Netanyahu. And then that would be a starting point of uh, of genuine peace talks and resolutions. That's that's my view. And I'm no politician or or policy expert. So please ignore me. Um, don't find this recording and play this aloud to anyone. <laughs> Just buy tickets to my show on the 29th of February at Pleasant Theatre. That's what you need to do. Right. That's it. That's, the, that's all I'm going to talk about on that. I've rambled on. These are my thoughts currently on this day, on the 12th of November. Ask me in two weeks' time, I've done more reading. Um, and I'll, I'll understand. I'll understand some more. And I'll, I'll probably flip and flop some more. But it's, here's the thing. Just, if you're watching any, listening to any report and thinking one side is right, then you, you're already, you're too far gone. There is no right side this there isn't there actually isn't the right side both sides have super valid arguments the actions oh you can you can judge the actions granted but the the reasoning the intention of the actions there is actually no right side there's no correct side it's that's what makes it so flipping mental but uh, anyway let's give them something more trivial let's give them some dear deirdre right let's give them dear deirdre and i can watch my tv show after this uh, fine by me, dear Deirdre. I'm married, but I but meet my ex for secret sex at least once a month. I really miss him. Jesus, one evening, curiosity got the better of me, and I tracked down, tracked him down online. Um, I'm 31 and married with two little sons. My first love and I were only 15 when we got together. Three years later. Uh, we were devastated to have to split because my family moved away. Ah, damn, you didn't even split up because you... Oh, gosh. I really missed this first boyfriend, but we were more than 100 miles apart. I mean, at least it was 100 miles apart. You remember when you said secretary, like primary school, you go in secondary school, and you just stopped talking to your friends because they went to a different secondary school. It's like, yeah, we can't be friends no more. You never said you can't be friends, but we couldn't. And it's mad because your houses were exactly the same places. You lived three streets away from each other. One you went to that school, and one you went to the other one, because you went to different schools. And it's like I just don't see them anymore. It's like they're literally you can see their garden. <laughs> you see them about to go to the shops. You see them. You can't just wave them like yeah, I used to hang out with that guy for seven years straight, best friends. Yeah, we just can't can't continue the friendship because that just don't see them anymore. It's mad. It's proper mad, isn't it? Anyway, really miss. I remember. I'll go back. I think I've said this on the pod before. That used to um. These be this like family lived on my street. They just went to a different primary school to the rest of us. We didn't talk to them. Literally live on the same street as us. Never knocked on them. So you want to come out and play? No, you go to a different primary school. What? What we got? We. What could we possibly hang out about? What are we gonna do? Yeah, we're the same age, but you go to a different primary school. It's so dumb. 
Anyway, I really missed my first boyfriend, but we were more than 100 miles apart. Um, it just wasn't practical to stay as a couple. Yep. Sadly, after our big move, Dad lost his new job and I knew we had financial difficulties, so I left college early and took a job as an, as an executive assistant. I just wanted to contribute to the bills, but I was taken aback when one of the executives asked me out on a date. Still, I accepted and he was quick to let me know that he had handed in his notice but couldn't leave without taking me out. He was eight years older than me and very kind. We got on and continued dating. Six months later, he asked me to marry him. Geez, this was quick. I wanted to refuse, but my mom told me that if I do so, I'd regret it forever. I was married and pregnant within a year. Now I'm a stay-at-home mom, and while I love my children, I do miss having my own identity. And all the while, I never stopped thinking about my ex. See, you listened to your mom. He was young. One evening, curiosity got the better of me and I tracked him down online. I felt so excited and yet familiar to be back in touch with him. And when we later met, halfway between our homes, it was the happiest I'd felt in ages. It had been 11 years since we'd uh, seen each other. Was you 15, do you say? Yes, he was, well, he was only 15 what, when you got together or when you split up? 15 when you first got together, 3 years later, 18. Uh, 11 years after that, so that's 29. Okay, you're not even 30 yet. Jeez, you're still, still young. Now stay at home. I'm, um, yeah, so where was I? Um, yeah, so it's 11 years since we we seen each other, but our feelings still had all the intensity of our first love. He is still single and says no one ever matched up to me. God damn, I'll snatched me in on never enough. I want out of my marriage, but feel terrible about leaving my husband and messing up my boys' lives. So, um, wait, so where's the, oh, you snatched me, I thought you were going to add a bit more sort of detail about your sex, but yes, yeah, so you meet him for sex once a month, it's just, it's a mess, it's a mess, but you, look, you've got to, you got to stand by your decisions, you know what I mean? You got you got to stand by decisions, and um, and you got to just follow through. I think you got to tell your husband. The thing is, your husband's richer than you. A lot of time, people think divorce ends up really well for women. If you are solely dependent on him, you'll get a bit of money, but he he might tie you in knots legally if he's an exec. I don't know what job you not do, but yeah, like I said, he might he might f you up in that divorce. So you need to think about that. You need to think about that. You not you can't assume you're gonna have your kids. Are you willing to see your kids sporadically for this man? Has this man shown any interest in your kids? Well, let's say you get 100% custody of your kids. Does new man want you and your kids? Because it's all fun reliving that childhood love. When it's just two of you in hotel rooms and it's all like said snatched meetings. But when it's what about when it's real? You know what I mean? Cold, rainy Tuesday night in Stoke. And the fucking boilers packed in. Because right? yeah, you're you're living a crusty life, stay at home mum. What's what does my man do? He's gonna have you say you miss your own identity. Will you miss your own identity where you're working late at seven PM? Who knows? Who knows? Um, right, this next one. Um, 
Just how I want oh, some of these look really just heavy. Let's see. Bad boys have destroyed my ability to trust. Dear dear, I'm 18. Alright, stop it. Like, yeah, it's, I think you just need a little shake when you're that age. If my kids tried to make some big life decisions at 18, I was going to give them a shake and be like, you're 18, shat it. There he is, there he is. Is he trying to wake up? Just chill, bro. Uh, I'm 18 and find it hard to trust boys. Um, in the past, those I've had crush, those I've had a crush on have messed with my feelings, pretending to fancy me when they really don't. I struggle to make friends. I'm facing important exams at the end of the year which are causing me to be really anxious. All these worries keep whirling around in my head. I feel so alone. Please help. Um, I'll say this. Focus on your damn exams, 18-year-old. You're going to go uni, get a haircut, give yourself a new nickname, reinvent yourself, and you can go cock crazy, if that's what you want to do. But you find just like, you're 18, you just need to get some perspective. I was really lucky that when I was leaving school at 16, I knew that I was actually really young. I, I was really aware that I was young and that um, this is like the easiest my life was going to be. And a lot of things I was doing now were kind of inconsequential. I was like hyper aware of that. So I just had fun in life. Like shit just didn't stress me out. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, was, I was sad that I was leaving school virgin, but that... <laughs> That was it. <laughs> that was the only thing. I was like, oh. But in my head, I was like, oh. I mean, I'll, I'll have sex eventually. I mean, it was just... It was fine. This new life would be fine. Life would work out. And um, I guess that's not what... Well, she says she feels anxious while she has anxiety. So, yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just focus on your exams. Knock them out of the park. And uh, you'll be good. You'll be good, man. Right. Let's see. This last one. Because I want to watch my TV show before my daughter wakes up and ruins it for me. Um, oh, gosh. Let's just go for it. Let's go for another affair. Well, the affair one's always funny, aren't they? My husband is having sex with my best friend. I'm heartbroken that my husband has been having it off with my best friend. Why would the people I love the most betray me? Because they hate you. The worst part is that they won't even admit to it. And they keep insisting that this is all some big misunderstanding. Gaslighting. I'm 39. My husband's 42. We've been married for 8 years. My best friend is 40. And we've been friends for as long as I can remember. Recently, I've, I've been having suspicions something was amiss with my husband. He had become distant and it felt as if his energy had completely shifted. Naively, I assumed it was down to stress from work. No part of me believed he would consider cheating, especially not with my best friend. Okay, so where's the evidence here? Where's even the suspicion? But one day, a mutual friend of ours texted me asking to meet up. I thought nothing of it until she told me over coffee that she had seen the two of them kissing and all over each other in a bar. I was gobsmacked. When I confronted them, they denied it and even went as far to suggest she had made the whole thing up. Wanting to get to the bottom of it, I suggested that the four of us meet to talk this through. But they both refused. I love that. Well done, you. Well done, you. You cut the bullshit. You went, all right, let's all just sit down with each other. Let's all do that. And they they refused. 
saying that they didn't want to waste their time talking to a liar. Listen, if I haven't cheated on my wife, and someone accuses me of cheating on my wife, and my wife says, we're all meeting up, I'd be like, yes, let's fucking do this. If I had been cheated on my wife, I would meet up and hope for the best. (laughs) But I'm definitely not going no at that stage. You know what I mean? You can't say no at that stage. Jeez. Um, if they were truly innocent, why would this be such an issue? Yeah, listen, they, yeah, I'm sorry. They they have been smashing genitals. I'm sorry for you. I can't be nice to find out that your best friend or your husband's cheating you. But what you're going to have to do is cut your losses. Cut your losses, cut them both out of your life. They're obviously not good for you. Bund them both move on okay so anyway people he's waking up this is the end of the pod listen buy tickets 29th of feb go to my website uh you'll find tickets there all right people 29th of feb pleasant theater caledonian road uh, all right that's it you want to say anything Zervino? you're awake you're gonna close your eyes close your eyes again all right all right people peace